This is a production of Cornell University. From Cornell University's world-renowned Turfgrass program, I'm Frank Rossi. And I'm Carl Scamenti, and this is episode 19 of Turf Talk, brought to you in partnership with our friends at Winfield United. Turf Talk provides just-in-time, science-based recommendations for professional turfgrass managers in the Northeast U.S. So, Frank, last week you mentioned August 15th as a date where traditionally we start to see the season turn and we start to maybe see stress decrease, and it's almost a proverbial finish line for a lot of guys. Now that that date has kind of come and gone, uh, what can we say looking forward for uh, that historic forecast? What a, what a fascinating little generational chat that occurred on Twitter with, with my old guys. You know, now that I'm an old guy, I, I take great pleasure in, in connecting the generations to the way we thought. Uh, it was just too classic. Uh, and those guys I know all love each other and laugh about what they do. But uh, what a funny little uh, conversation on, on uh, Twitter, Carl. But I got to tell you, the weather's not funny. No. I mean, I, I don't know a person who is growing a plant or has a land-based business of any kind that really can uh, manage this weather. And we are talking about historic flash floods. I mean, eight inches fell in about an hour uh, here in the central New York region. And uh, some areas, uh, most of this swath in the central New York, Pennsylvania, Hudson Valley got about two to four inches and then everybody else got at least one to two inches. So there was a couple of dry spots, but in general, you know, dry in Baltimore where, you know, August, they've only got 22 inches of rain so far. So, so, you know, slow moving, drenching rains, the soils are wet. They're still warm. Uh, you know, it's about as stressful as it can get, Carl, for the cool season turf. Now, the good news is that the forecast is calling for some cooling, but it doesn't seem to be letting up on the rainfall. So while I think you'll get some relief from some of the stress, I think that cooling uh, stress will be replaced by traffic stress moving forward. Yeah, and so when we talk about those stresses, again, we're still looking at uh, rampant crabgrass, a lot of stress-related diseases, and maybe some grub activity. So maybe you could talk to us about that. Yeah, I mean, like we, I think we've said already, many people have just sort of called it good, started mowing the crabgrass and calling it their lawn. I'm not sure we could get that crazy iron guy on YouTube to spray the crabgrass <laughs> with iron, and, and maybe it looked like bluegrass. So, the, the, you know, many people probably, if they put their pre-emergence out uh, early, they failed by now because of the intense pressure that continues to occur. Uh, you know, just that warm, dry period that we had early on was enough to set much of the turf back and uh, warm, wet conditions were absolutely ideal. And if you don't believe me, you can let, look at the corn uh, around most of the corn growing regions in, in, in the United States, northern United States, and you'll see spectacular corn plants. Now, uh, again, on a sobering note, the stress-induced diseases, summer patch, root pythia, anthracnose, they're just, you know, in the march right now. It, even though August 15th has come, these plants are continuing to decline, and it's just a matter of when you're going to renovate or do some sort of rejuvenation of your stand because uh, there really is no way to spray yourself out of this at this point. And then finally, as you said, on the insect front, the second generation uh, instars are now moving into the callow 
uh, phase and soon will be third third generation adults. Uh, if the heat keeps up, I wouldn't be surprised if we had a third generation. So a uh, good idea to stay in touch with Weevil Track, Steve McDonald, Ron Ferentino, uh, Ben McCraw, all the guys who are paying attention to ABW. And then finally, the grubs are going to start to uh, lay their eggs soon, Carl. And that's really important time. I mean, I know people don't really think about control much because we don't want people using Dilox as a post-emergent. They're probably putting a pre-emergent down, you know, like a Celeprin or or Merit on Long Island, which is all they've got. Uh, the grub controls are out there. For those people that can't use insecticides and they may be using nematodes, entomophagous nematodes, entomogenous, I can never get that right, <laughs> nematodes, you got to put them on when they're young. Mm -hmm. And so you got to be able to scout and figure out what stages they're at, what, you know, pick them up, look at their buttholes, find out what the <laughs> anal slit looks like. You know, it's just what everybody wants to talk about at this time of year, <laughs> anal slits on scarabeels. But in fact, uh, you know, that's what you need to do. And then... You know, you're going to pay a little bit more for the nematodes, but we found them to be uh, wildly successful, Carl. So, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of stressful conditions, a lot of widespread pest problems, and it's not over yet. Yeah, uh, and and certainly, you know, coming up here soon, a lot of people are going to be doing that renovation that you you mentioned briefly there. And uh, you know, when we talk about keys to success moving forward, if you are doing that renovation, maybe you got some uh, ideas for us there. Well, here's what we know about renovation conditions. As soon as you start tearing up the grass, people are going to be like, uh-oh, what happened? And so, you know, you better, I would say the keys to success uh, this week is to begin to create a communication plan. You know, how do you communicate the way the weather's been? Even though people experience it, you'd be surprised how short memory they have when they get to your place. You know, your turf users, your lawn, your customers there, uh, and especially this communication is critical for traffic turf, right? As I said earlier, maybe the cooler temperatures will be replaced by the traffic stress. And that means you've got to talk to in sports turf, coaches, administrators, parents, say, listen, rotate that wear a little bit. You got to talk to golfers. They're going to have, you know, sort of wet, sloppy conditions. Uh, you're going to do more damage trying to mow areas that are wet. Just let them go for now. And if we get some drying weather, uh, it saves you that much rejuvenation work you got to do after you rut them up. Mm -hmm. It's a lot easier to bring the mowing height down on an area that you can't mow, call it ground under repair or keep them out of it. If you've got a sports field, you got a little bit of sand top dressing at the top, you probably could get away with a roll. It's not ideal, but it certainly will firm up that surface enough in some cases to give them a good playable surface. So, Carl, I would say the key this week is to start start thinking about how you're going to communicate the measures you're taking either to rejuvenate or get that surface playable moving forward. Yeah, communication is always key any time of year, really. Uh, so finally, let's cap it off with the sage advice. You already mentioned it a little bit. Uh, we're going to talk about traffic and how to spread that around maybe, right? Yeah, I think spreading the wear is the sage advice for this week. And that, that's the maintenance wear and the traffic that the turf users put on there. You really have to think about that surface as not very traffic tolerant when it gets very wet. We were I was walking out on our soccer field where they've been practicing now for a week. And, you know, with all this rainfall that went through, 
I would have to say a week of practice looked like about three weeks of practice mm -hmm. would normally look simply because the surfaces were so wet. Uh, and when I went out there, mowing had to be skipped. So, you know, playing performance is going to be affected. Move the goal, move the goal mouse, do what you can to play the corners of soccer fields, get the football team outside the hash marks, right. you know, paint them a little field on the side behind the outfield somewhere where they can run those inside the 10 yard drills or, you know, the sweep rights from the 20 yard line, <laughs> right? All those sort of repetitive things they mm -hmm. keep doing and doing. See if you can just get them to move around. Of course, <laughs> this is the time for synthetic turf. Nobody likes mm -hmm. to hear it, but the fact is, if you have synthetic turf, I promise you, your natural turf is better because it's not getting beat up right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, these kinds of conditions typically are associated with the shoulders of the season, typically with the spring baseball season where it's so darn wet. But, you know, now we're seeing it widely. And the key is maintaining it puts traffic on it and using it puts traffic on it. You have to do what you can to not create problems and get the athletes and users to spread the wear. Yeah. Well, Frank, thanks again for joining us for our 19th episode it might feel like a lot longer than that to a lot of the superintendents who have to deal with this year, but we'll be here for uh, at least 10 more weeks, probably more. Uh, thanks, as always, for joining us, and thank you to the listeners for listening to our 2018 Turf Talk podcast series, brought to you just in time by us here at Cornell University and our partners at Winfield United. You can find us online at turf.cows.cornell.edu and on Twitter or Facebook at Cornell Turf. As always, we'd love your feedback and encourage you to join the conversation by leaving a review or comment. For Turf Talk, I'm Carl Scamenti. And I'm Frank Rossi. Have a great week. This has been a production of Cornell University. On the web at cornell.edu.